0: Turn with me to Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, Jim Cimbala is a pastor in New York City, and he and his wife Carol had a daughter named Chrissy who had gone through a very difficult time. She had had been rebelling against God and against her parents, and she had been... Oftentimes out where they didn't even know where she was. It had been two or three years of going through this. And I want to just share with you what he uh, describes here as he describes this situation and how God intervened. Once again, as back in 1972, there came a divine showdown. God strongly expressed me to stop crying, screaming, or talking to anyone else but Chrissy. I was to converse with no one but God. In fact, I knew that I should have no further contact with Chrissy until God acted. I was just to believe and obey what I had preached so often. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will answer you. I dissolved in a flood of tears. I knew I had to let go of this situation. And then they uh, describe how they had gone to a church service and Uh, he's describing this church service. He says, To describe what happened in the next minutes, I can only employ a metaphor. The church turned into a labor room. The sounds of women giving birth are not pleasant, but the results are wonderful. Paul knew this when he wrote, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. There arose a groaning, a sense of desperate determination, as if to say, Satan, you will not have this girl. Take your hands off her. She's coming back. I was overwhelmed. The force of this vast, throng calling on God almost literally knocked me over. When I got home that night, Carol was waiting up for me. We sat at the kitchen table drinking coffee, and I said, it's over. What's over, she wondered. It's over with Chrissy. You would have had to be in the room tonight and heard those prayers. I tell you, if there's a God in heaven, this whole nightmare is finally over. And I described what had taken place. 32 hours later, on Thursday morning, as I was shaving, Carol suddenly burst through the door, her eyes wide. Go downstairs, she blurted. Chrissy's here. Chrissy's here? Yes, go down. But Carol, I just go down, she urged. It's you she wants to see. I wiped off the shaving cream and headed down the stairs, my heart pounding. As I came around the corner, I saw my daughter on the kitchen floor, rocking on her hands and knees, sobbing. Cautiously, I spoke her name, Chrissy. She grabbed my pant leg, and she began pouring out in anguish, Daddy, Daddy, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against myself. I've sinned against you and Mommy. Please forgive me. My vision was as clouded by tears as hers. I pulled her up from the floor and held her close as we cried together. Suddenly, she drew back, Daddy, she said with a start, Who was praying for me? Who was praying for me? Her voice was like that of a cross-examining attorney. What do you mean, Chrissy? On Tuesday night, Daddy, who was praying for me? I didn't say anything, so she continued. In the middle of the night, God woke me and showed me I was heading toward this abyss. There was no bottom to it. It scared me to death. I was so frightened. I realized how hard I've been, how wrong, how rebellious. But at that same time, it was like God wrapped me in his arms and held me tight He kept me from sliding any farther as he said, I still love you. Daddy, tell me the truth. Who was praying on Tuesday night? I looked into her bloodshot eyes, and once again, I recognized the daughter we had raised. Chrissy's return to the Lord became evident immediately. By that fall, God had opened a miraculous door for her to enroll at a Bible college, where she not only undertook studies, but began to direct music groups and large choir just like her mother. Today, she's a pastor's wife in the Midwest with three wonderful children. Through all of this, Carol and I learned as never before, that persistent calling upon the Lord breaks through every stronghold of the devil, for nothing is impossible with God. I want you to know something. We need God's power, don't we? We need His His power in our families. We need His power personally. We need His power in our church. We need God's power. The three churches that we're going to talk about this morning are churches that were struggling. Uh, They had issues that God was seeking to correct, and and Jesus sent them a message, a letter. And he told the church at Sardis, he says, your your works are not complete. You need to finish what you've done. He told the church at Philadelphia, he said, you need to to preserve what you have. Uh, Maintain this relationship with God. And he told the church at Laodicea, You need to humble yourself, and you need to recapture the zeal that you have for me. And through it all, God mentions the power of his Holy Spirit, the power of Jesus to open doors that no one can close, and the power of God to restore a church to what it needs to be. And that's a church, an individual, a family. God can restore you today. Um, We need to humble ourselves and repent and follow Jesus in obedience so that his power can rest on our lives. The title of my message today is Unleashing Spiritual Power. Unleashing Spiritual Power. We're going to begin reading in chapter 3 and verse 1 of Revelation. Write to the angel of the church in Sardis, The one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says, I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Be alert and strengthen what remains, which is about to die. For I have not found your works complete before my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. But if you are not alert, I will come like a thief and you will have no Idea at what hour I will come against you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not defiled their clothes, and they will walk with me in white because they are worthy. In the same way, the victor will be dressed in white clothes, and I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and before his angels. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Write this to the angel of the church at Philadelphia. The Holy One, the True One, the One who has the key of David, who opens and no one will close, and closes and no one opens, says, I know your works. Because you have limited strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name, look, I have placed before you an open door that no one is able to close. Take note, I will make those from the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews and are not, but are lying, note this, I will make them come and bow down at your feet. And they will know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my commands to endure, I will also keep you from the hour of testing that is going to come over the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold on to what you have so that no one takes your crown. The victor, I will make him a pillar in the sanctuary of my God, and he will never go out again. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Write to the angel of the church at Laodicea, the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation says, I know your works, that you are neither hot or cold. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you were lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I'm rich and i become wealthy and need nothing, and you don't know that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked, I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich, white clothes so that you may be dressed in your shameful nakedness, not exposed, and ointment to spread on your eyes so that you might see. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be committed and repent. Listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will have dinner with him and he with me. The victor, I will give him the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I also won the victory and sat down with my father on his throne. Anyone who has an ear should hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Unleashing spiritual power. What should you do so that God's power can be unleashed in your life, in your family, and in our church? What should you do? I think there's several things that the Bible tells us about here this morning. That God says if you'll do these things, God's power will be released in your life. The first one is complete your work. Complete your work. Look at verse 2. Be alert and strengthen what remains, which is about to die. For I have not found your works complete before my God. We need to complete our work. Did you know that God chooses to work through human beings? That's God's choice. Every single child of God has been given gifts... To serve God. And because he's given us those gifts, he intends for us to use those so that we can be a blessing to other people within the church. Also to the lost people out in the community. And also so that we can be a blessing to the Lord because he delights in our service for him. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Pray for me, would you? Okay. He delights in our service for him. I think about David. You remember King David in the Bible? He was called a man after God's own heart. And because King David sought the Lord and he did what God called him to do, God used him to bring Israel to a golden era. Um. Both in David and Solomon's time, Israel had the greatest blessing that they ever had of any other time in their history. Do you remember John Mark in the New Testament? He left Paul and Barnabas and went back home. He said, I, I've just had enough of this missionary journey. I'm out of here. I'm going home. And so, <coughs> so they... Um, Later on, John Mark felt convicted by God. And he came back, and he fulfilled the work that God had called him to do. And Paul writes, he is helpful to me. John Mark is helpful to me. I can remember when I was growing up, I had Sunday school teachers who, who faithfully taught our Sunday school classes. An evangelist who shared the gospel with me. I, I had parents who taught me the things of God. Uh, people that I went vit- visiting with and witnessed with and and all of these things that God used to be a blessing and help me grow spiritually. Guess what? Somebody completed the work of God that God had given them to do, and as a result, it was a blessing to me. God wants each one of us to fulfill the work that he's called us to do. Now, he's, he starts off this section of Scripture to the church at Sardis, and he says, look, I'm the one who holds the seven spirits of God in my hand. What's he saying there? Well, it was a symbolic way of talking about the Holy Spirit. And God said, listen, I have the Holy Spirit. I'm the one who gives the Holy Spirit. And so when you serve me, I supply you the power that you need to serve. And as you serve and you allow me to serve through you, through the power of my spirit, You will have God's power to make a difference for Christ. So service is so important. Did you? I heard one preacher say one time, if each one of us has the Holy Spirit, that means when we come together and and everybody's there, we have more. I don't know how theologically correct that is, but more of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, I think there is a role for each person. As we come together, there is a, a sense of the sweetness of God's presence. How much more? When we serve God and we fulfill the role that God has given us to fulfill. The Bible says that the church is like a body. So the can't, hand can't say, I don't need the foot. foot can't say, I don't need the, the hand. Uh, each one of the parts of the body is important. And it's kind of like a football team. You know, I was watching, uh, my wife is a, is a Texas Aggie. And so uh, she, she, uh, I was watching Johnny Manziel, and he was he was drafted into the NFL uh, this this past week, and there's a whole lot of hype. And he went to play for the Cleveland Browns. But you know what I've discovered? It doesn't matter how good a quarterback you have if the people around him are no good. I had been a Dallas Cowboy fan. I, I can remember Troy Aikman and and how awesome he and and Emmitt Smith and Michael Irvin were in the height of their, of their playing and so forth. But you know, as the team began to decline, as good as Troy Aikman was, he couldn't carry that team by himself. You see, it takes a whole team. The same thing is true in church. It takes a whole team. God's given you gifts uh, to use and to serve Him. Some of you may be encouragers. Some of you may be good at showing mercy to people who are suffering. Some of you may be good at organizing. Others of you may be good at serving and just doing things of service. Some of you may have gifts of teaching. Whatever it is that God has gifted you to do, you need to be faithful to do that work. How will the power of God work through our church? It will work when God's people are obedient to follow His will and do what He's called them to do. And uh, he says to the church at Sardis, he says, you've got a reputation that you're alive and you're actually dead. And he says, you need to strengthen what remains and is about to die. Jesus said, there is a, there's a problem that I see in your church. You're not fulfilling the work that I've called you to do. And if you don't, you're headed toward trouble. So he's calling them. He's saying, listen, if you want the power of God, let me tell you one way it comes. It comes when we are obedient To serve God as he's called us to serve. So important. So how do you have the power of God? What do you do to have the power of God upon your life? The first one is complete your work. I love the the statement that Paul said. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I've kept the faith. And there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Isn't that a beautiful thought? will not it be great one day we get to heaven and we'll be able to say, you know, whatever it is that we do in service for God, whether giving a cup of cold water in his name or sweeping a floor or washing a dish or uh, fixing a meal, whatever it is, that as we serve him, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Won't that be a wonderful thing to hear? I tell you what, I can't wait. I get a crown, I'm going to throw that crown at Jesus' feet. Won't that be great? Complete your work. You want the power of God on your life, on your family. I want to speak to men. Men, you you and I are called. If you're if you're a husband, you're a father. We're called to be spiritual leaders in our family. Uh, you need to fulfill your responsibility to God in your home, and spiritually lead. You say, "Well, my wife knows more than I do." Well, that's okay. You lead, and, and women support them <laughs> when they make it, an effort. Support them in that. But, but take that responsibility. Complete your work that God's given you to do. I want to tell you something. Our families and our kids are experiencing pressures out in this world today that we've never experienced before. We need good, godly men to be the leaders in the home that we're called to be. And so I praise God for, for the women who who do so much and, and who, who train up our kids and so forth so well. And, um, but, but that doesn't mean, men, that we're off the hook. We're called to be leaders in the home. We're called to share Christ with others. We're called to try to reach a lost world. We need to complete our work. Uh, as we do, God's power will flow through us to be a blessing to other people and to bring glory to God. Unleashing spiritual power. What should you do so God's power can be unleashed? First of all, complete your work. Secondly, preserve your relationship. Preserve your relationship. The church at Philadelphia was the only church that Jesus had no correction for. They apparently had a lot of things going right in the church at Philadelphia and God was pleased. But he says, hold on to what you have. Preserve what you have. It's so easy to let things slide in our spiritual life, isn't it? Well, I'm too busy this morning to have my quiet time. and Well, you know, I, I just can't do this thing for God. I can't spend time with God today. Uh, I've got a full schedule. You know what Martin Luther said? Martin Luther said, on an, on an average day, I spend two hours in prayer. He said, but when I'm really busy, I spend three hours in prayer. You know what he had learned? Prayer is a time saver. Did you know that? The time that you spend with God helps the rest of the day to go better and helps God to be involved in the circumstances of your life. And he's saying preserve that relationship that you have with God. And you know what? You know what the Bible says about the church of Philadelphia? Because they were where they needed to be with God, he says, I've set before you an open door that nobody can shut. I want to tell you something. When God opens a door, there's nobody can shut it. He's the almighty God. How'd you like the power of God to be on your life in in such a profound way that he's opening doors in your life? He's opening doors for your family. He's opening doors for our church. He's working in supernatural power on our behalf. You need to preserve your relationship. You know, the Ephesian church that we talked about last week had left their first love. And Jesus said, I'm going to take your lampstand away if you don't restore it. But the Philadelphian church was in the right place. But Jesus says, be careful. Be careful. It's so easy to let it slide. You keep your heart where it needs to be. You preserve that relationship with me. Um, I remember growing up, my mother getting up, and, and you know, she tried different strategies at different times. You know, we'd find out where she had her quiet time, and so we'd go, and you know how moms moms are kind of the center of everything, you know? Uh, everybody goes to mom when they, they can't find something, or they, you know, and, and so uh, she learned that she had to kind of be creative, and so she she would uh go to the washroom she wouldn't tell anybody where she's going she closed the door out in the washroom and she'd have her time with god and uh then we we discovered that and she moved to a closet you know and so but she was taking she was setting aside time to be with god you need to set aside time to be with god every day preserve that relationship with him cast your cares on him uh, tell Him what's going on in your life. Unload your burdens. <laughs> uh, c- call on Him to help with specific things in your life, uh, tr- struggles that you're going through, uh, challenges that you're wondering how you're going to meet. Take those things to God uh, and, and bring, bring those things and enjoy that relationship there. Spend time in worship, telling God how great He is. Thank Him for His goodness in your life. Uh, read His Word and let Him speak to your spirit. Um, but whatever you do, preserve that time with God. It will, be, it will help you grow. It will help you learn how to walk with Him and follow Him. And it will keep the power of God upon your life. Preserve your relationship. Um, one of the things that I've, I've had to do, uh, I remember the days before my kids were born. And we used to sleep in. You remember how how that was? And uh, uh, we began to have to, they would get up, and of course, all night at first. And then they'd get up at 6 a.m. My kids were early risers, and it wasn't until they were teenagers they really started sleeping in. But 6 a.m. every day. And you know what I found out? If I was going to have time with God, I had to get up before them. (laughs) Because once they were up, it was over. Uh, take intentional steps in your life to set aside that time with God and don't neglect it in your life it's so important it will help you grow in your walk with him so uh, how do you have God's power in your life first of all complete your work secondly preserve your relationship and third renew your zeal renew your zeal I want you to see, uh, look with me at verse 17. Because you say I'm rich, I have become wealthy and need nothing. What is that? That's that's pride, self-confidence, right? I become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't know that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I'm going to tell you something. I think this describes the American church. We're wealthy. We have a whole lot of stuff. We have programs. We have money. we got all these things. But do you know the American church is not even keeping up with the population growth in our country? You go over to places like Africa or China and, and Christianity is exploding. They've got nothing. But they do have the power of God. I want to tell you something. All of our money, all of our programs, when it comes right down to it, Without the power of God, it's all for nothing. He says, I counsel you. Come to me. Buy gold refined in the fire. He's saying, listen, instead of relying on yourself, rely on me. And when you humble yourself, isn't that interesting that that's the first thing that is mentioned in 2 Chronicles 7.14 as the key to revival? Humble yourself. When you humble yourself and you come to me, he says, I will give you true blessing in your life. Look at verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be committed and repent. That word committed in my translation uh, can also be, uh, and often is translated, be zealous. Have some zeal for the things of God. Renew your zeal. Be zealous and repent. Repent. You know, in order to have zeal for the things of God, sometimes you have to go through a process of humility uh, hu, uh, of humility and repentance in your life. And you have to recognize that your resources aren't enough. It's so easy. You know, you, you, you begin to get training or you begin to get finances or whatever it is, and, and you begin to get, you rely on these things in your life. And there's nothing wrong with those things. Praise God for them. We honor graduates for it. That's a great thing. Uh, the Bible says, uh, with, all, get, with all that you can, get understanding. You know, That's a great thing to do. But don't rely on it. Rely on Jesus. Humble yourself before him. As you humble yourself before him and you obey him with a humble spirit, and you begin to see him working through your life, God's power will come on you. And guess what will happen? As he's working through your life, your zeal will be restored. Have you ever gotten in a rut in your spiritual life? Have you ever just felt like you're going through the motions in your spiritual walk? Sometimes when we go through those times, it may be God gently whispering in our ear, Hey, remember who you're depending on. Humble yourself. Obey me when you don't understand. Trust me in the middle of your circumstance. Rely on me. And I'm going to tell you what will happen. As God begins to work, your, your zeal will be restored and renewed. We, as God's people, need to have the power of God on our life, don't we? How do you do it? Complete your work. Preserve your relationship. Renew your zeal. Most importantly, going to God, looking on Him. Can I tell you something? He is faithful. When you go to Him, He's always faithful. I want to read to you um, the lyrics of a song that Carol Cimbala, you remember the family I talked to you about at the beginning of the service, she wrote these things while they were going through this trial in their life. In my moments of fear, Through every pain and every tear, there's a God who's been faithful to me. When my strength was all gone, when my heart had no song, still in love, he proved faithful to me. Every word he's promised is true. What I thought was impossible, I've seen my God do. He's been faithful. Faithful to me. Looking back, his love and mercy I see. Although my heart, in my heart I've questioned, even failed to believe, he's been faithful, faithful to me. When my heart looked away, the many times I could not pray, still my God, he was faithful to me. The days I spent so selfishly reaching out for what pleased me, even then, God was faithful to me. Every time I come back to him, he's waiting with open arms, And I see once again, he's been faithful to me. He's faithful. Go to him for your power. Complete your work. See what he'll do for your life. Preserve your relationship. Find your strength in him. Renew your zeal by humbling yourself and following him. And he will be faithful. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you choose to use us, Lord, weak, broken people. And Father, help us to rely upon you, upon our Savior, upon the Holy Spirit. And open doors before us that no one can shut.